Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I am your host, Donna Bishop, and we are live with a beautiful audience here at Toronto Fashion Week in Yorkville Village. And today I am joined by author and columnist Shanann Giovanni. Welcome as well as Boyana Sentler, who is the designer and creative director behind the beautiful luxury outerwear brand Sentler. And today we're gonna to be talking about the relationship between fashion and the royal family, which has you know, deep historic roots, I would say, Shanann, wouldn't you? Where would you say we kind of look back at, if we pull the lens back, where do we start historically in many ways with the influence of the British royals and the fashion industry? Well, first, I wanted to um, just mention that today happens to be the 66th year of the ascension of the throne of, of the queen. So Auspicious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so lo looking back at the long horizon, I mean, you know, you were talking about a woman who's outlasted 13 British prime ministers and whose reign started before the advent of the miniskirt. So that's the, that's the context. You know, um, when I started to think about, like, you know, trends and influences that we may have been given by uh, royalty, um, I almost started to think a little bit about the famous Meryl, uh, Meryl Streep's speech about Cerulean in Devil Wears Prada. I mean, in the sense that there's such an invisible hand to how trends flow and mutate through, through time, and there's such a vast sort of ecosystem um, when it comes to taste, Absolutely. that sometimes you don't even realize that something is a picture of a picture of a picture or a riff on a riff on a riff. So in terms of royalty generally, um, the fact that we have entire schools of design, ideas of design, which are named after um, specific monarchs, kind of tells you everything. The fact that we talk it's about... It's Elizabethan for a reason. Yes, it, yeah. we talk about Elizabethan furniture. We talk about Victorian architecture. Um, in, even in terms of, you know, items of um, clothing, apparel, etc., we, we sort of cavalierly don't even... might not think about it, but we, we refer to the Elizabethan cuff or the Windsor knot. Uh, I mean, I have a fair amount to say about... Uh, the Duke of Windsor in particular and his influence, which I think is like really large, um, in, in some ways even larger than any of, any of the women. Um, so examples, um, uh, Queen Victoria, for instance, w uh, popularized the idea of wearing black at funerals. Yeah, and which she did for 40 days after her husband's... 40 years. 40 years, yeah, I should yeah. say. Yeah, uh, not just a, a day or a, or a funeral. Yeah, so I mean, the idea of wearing black during mourning, which is something we we all do, has seeped into our culture. In a way, we're still living in the, Victor uh, you know, in the Victorian age. Same with the white wedding dress, something that's so ubiquitous that we kind of just take for granted that it was ever thus. Queen uh, Victoria was yes, the first to do that. Yes, when, I mean, it, I think it had been done sparingly, but she definitely popularized it when she, when she married Prince Albert. Wearing a white dress was considered quite like in a kind of classic thing to do. Um, so, so that's, you know, pretty interesting to me. Um, and then... Um, you can't really look at the history of fashion, especially over the last you know, century or so, without looking at um, Wallace Simpson, 
you know, uh, the the that woman uh, who, who <laughs> was <laughs> run key on that woman. Yeah, yeah, she may she may have never been you know she may have been run out of uh, the the kingdom, but her influence on fashion uh, is felt even to this day, even when examples of um, designers who are um, influential today, like like um, Kate and Megan, uh, for instance, wear a lot of wear a lot of Erdem, mm -hmm. but Erdem often refers to the fact that Wallace Simpson is an inspiration for him. So you're seeing sort of the the sort of tra uh, the translation. Or another British designer like uh, Roland Murray, he said that no one who works in fashion has not been influenced by Wallace Simpson, even if it's like twice, thrice removed. Um, it was then, the impetus. It's the seed, it's patient zero that it, started so much else. Exactly, and just going back a little bit to uh, the Duke of Windsor, uh, Wallace Simpson's uh, husband, um, his influence on fashion, you can see, I mean, when you see a Tom Ford runway, it's, you can see the echoes. When you see even how the archetype of James Bond has come along and been translated. Ian Fleming kind of riffed on the Absolutely. Duke of Windsor. And then, especially during the early John, uh, Sean Connery, James Bond years, you, you see that played over and over again, that whole idea of the dandy. Um, and um, going back to you know the double-breasted suits or the checkered suits, et cetera. Right down yeah. to a massive brand like J. Crew with the kind of preppy Farrell sweater aesthetic, you can see the influence. There. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that, in a nutshell, is kind of uh, yeah. sort of the broader context for what we're talking about. And I think we need to talk a little bit about Princess Margaret as well, because mm -hmm. she was also um, a big influence in terms of how she chose to use fashion. I mean, she had the first televised. Royal wedding. wedding. Yes. So the the whole idea, which is you know you know so bizarre to think right now when we have images come to our phones, you know every minute, every second of the day. Um, her wedding was televised. It was the first time people could, in their living rooms, look in and see and connect in that way. And you know, for people who've been watching the Netflix series The Crown, you see how sort of fashionable she was and she was allowed to be in a way that maybe her sister the queen wasn't so uh examples include um for her official portrait uh when she turned 21 uh cecil beaton took her uh photograph she wore dior and that really helped in terms of the rapidization and popularity of the new look um, and the fact that she was wearing like a French designer was yeah. a little bit sort of a bit risque, a bit pushing the, the boundaries. Yeah, exactly. And um, she did things like um, uh, going out on the town, you know, sans chapeau, you know, which was Radical. not done at, uh, <laughs> until until that time. So um, she was definitely someone um, in you know in the vernacular of the time. She was an influencer. You know, she 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 was definitely. And, and, and w if you look at the royal family as being the original reality show, those were our influencers. Well, I want to yeah. talk about that a little bit because so much about when we're talking about fashion in the royal family, it's about the act of being seen. Right. Like it is through literally seeing them that all of this has a context for discussion as well. And prior to the royal wedding, the only way they could be seen was literally through these official photographs that were taken. Can you talk a little bit about like 
how the importance of being seen fits into the to the myth, to the romance, to the story, to the relevancy of the royal family. Like then, then and certainly now, it's just changed how we see them in yeah. many ways. Well, I mean, photography, uh, the popularity of photography, absolutely changed sort of the connection between uh, the rulers and the ruled. But before that, it was you know it was images through paintings, etc. Um, but I mean, the rulers were very remote. Um, and I think it's Queen Elizabeth who did say we must, she, her actual quote is, we must be seen to be believed. Right. Um, and I think in a way that um, in the present context, that's even more important in a way because we live in a culture and a society which is much more democratic, which is much less of a pyramid, more meritocratic. And so the idea the oxygen of any royal family, and particularly the British royal family, is to be talked about and to be photographed. I mean, without being photographed and not being talked about, like a reality show, you are dead. Um, that's, that's the context, yeah. because we're looking more than ever for pomp, pageantry, the soap opera. Um, that's kind of, in, 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 you know, it, it, that's kind of like the yo-yo effect that needs to happen. Um, yeah, it's for a symbiotic, it right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also an, an aesthetic that we've kind of touched upon a little bit that's being de developed. And Boyana, I know we've talked about the the look of the royal family and and how that's appealed to you. When you think of the royals, you know, how do you describe their look? What does it? How? What does that mean to you? I think we've seen. No, you're good. Just. Am I good? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we've seen uh, just through history that, uh, you know, everybody wears different styles and different dresses and different, um, you know, outfits. But what we've seen to always be consistent is, um, you know, they're all classy, they're elegant, and they're all timeless. And we were actually just discussing, um, I might be jumping, but a picture that we just recently together uh, watched of Princess Diana. Um, you know, and maybe you can expand on that. That's very, very relevant to um, what just happened. Uh, yeah, it was Sunday. a it was a photo that went viral the the other day because uh, Princess Diana is wearing an Eagles varsity yeah, jacket. We're talking about the Super Bowl at Fashion yeah, Box, she's, people. <laughs> she's she's actually wearing like a a, a green uh, Eagles jacket. And apparently, Princess Grace's family had had you know who were from Philadelphia had given it to her. So. Um, I mean, just just an example of like how these images live on and are translated over and over again. Well, Diane is obviously a really important person to talk about as well as the rest of the royal family in terms of the influence of fashion and the importance and the power of clothes. And I know the Sloan Ranger look, Shanann, is one of the ones that you've talked about. Why is that look important in terms of the Diana landscape in history? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, when we talk about Diana, I'm sure you'll agree there's there's many different eras of, of, of Diana. Um, but early on, uh, she was sort of the engine of this look called the Sloan Ranger, which was sort of adopted by sort of the, the moneyed classes, particularly in, in, in London. Uh, and I think one, one uh, sort of description of it I've heard is like old, um, old-looking clothes for young people. 
<laughs> but I mean, it was it was a thing. It was like yeah. these sort of sweet blouses and and skirts over, over your knees and 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 flatwear. And I mean, to me, what's interesting about that is that not only was it uh, kind of a thing at the time, and it really showed her power, her early power in terms of being being able to influence people. And this is, think about it, this is before social media and stuff. This is like really penetrating the way people thought about clothes and, you know, you know um, what, you know, essentially streetwear. Um, but what's additionally interesting is that it's been, it's been sort of riffed on. Like if you look at like what Marc Jacobs was doing in, in the early aughts, there's a kind of a, uh, an echo of that there. And, um, and, and Prada with Mucha Prada, she's she's sort of kind of uh, riffed on that a little bit as yeah. well. So right up until today, the, I think it's uh, Yves Saint Laurent that's got a riff of some Diana's aesthetic happening. So yeah. it's, it's continued on. And when you talk about the engine, it's not just the engine of Diana. I mean, she and Charles got engaged in '81, but it's the engine of the 24-hour news cycle that coincided at the same time with CNN. I mean, CNN was founded in 1980, so she was coming into the eye when we could have our eyes literally on her all the time. Right, and I mean, you can't, um, I mean, whether or not you were born in 1995 and on or not, uh, you cannot um, underplay the importance of that wedding, which was seen by 750 million people and then uh, maybe a billion people if you add in radio broadcast. I mean, all the networks there, all of them. Yes, and there were three networks, and it, you have to you had to watch it in real time. So there was engagement, uh, and people had to gather around in terms of a live moment. You only get that during things like the Super Bowl now. Um, but then, you know, even put that into perspective, only like 100. The ratings just came out for the Super Bowl. Only about 105 million people watched this year's Super Bowl. So think about like 750 million people at that time. Uh, we're watching it, and so there was this engagement with her and her, an investment in her story in the marriage, and then the clothes were props in that story, um, and and then it sort of continued on. Yeah, and what props they were, um, Boyana. What's one of your favorite looks? I mean, as Shanana said, Diana has so many. What's one of the ones that resonated for you? That that's one of your favorites. Uh, I would say the Elvis dress. Um, I'm sure you all know it. It's the white dress. Uh, you know, this was in the 80s, but this still resonates to me. It's something that I would see myself wearing now, even if it's 2018. So it's a timeless look that, you know, we we will be looking at forever yeah, and appreciating. She actually wore it to the Fashion Awards in, in 1989. She wore it to the British Fashion Awards, and it's a Catherine Walker design when she favored quite a bit, quite a few British designers. Yeah. And then, notably, when she and Charles split, she branched out, and that's when we she started. got more experimental. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Diana, I think, is also a place where we started to see an interest in the casual dressing. Of, of the royals. It wasn't just about the gowns and the official portraits, but we started to see moments of like on the ski hills and just walk. We've got some pics up here with some of the more casual looks. Diana was really. Oh, yeah, the, the, the ski wear photos always uh, kill me. They were very influential. They caught the four musketeers at the time, you know, Fergie, Andrew, Diana, Charles. This is the brief. I think two or three years where they were all happily married and they made a thing of like wearing these candy colored boxy uh, uh, ski suits and they kind of invented the idea of the uh, 
photo call at the bottom of the ski hill, which has actually continued on. You see that with uh, it's become a bit of a tradition. It's like become it's a expected. tradition, yes. But it was a it was a new thing at the time, and there is just a sense of like real. Uh, you, f you feel like the joy and the verve a little bit um, from these photos. Um, but yeah, speaking of the, ca the casual, I mean, uh, a lot of people talk about um, some of the formal wear, like the so-called revenge dress. Oh yes, we can't ta not talk about the revenge she, dress. That she wore, which, was, uh, which she wore to the Serpentine Gallery for a party. And notably, it was on the same night that uh, Charles was admitting his infidelity in a in a sort of and she televised wasn't supposed interview. to wear this dress. She changed her mind. This dress had been designed for her about three years earlier, and she knew the 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 news was coming, so wanted to quote look like a million bucks. Yeah, I mean, in terms of using sort of the weaponry of fashion, exactly, this is a prime example uh, of that. So this is this is probably one of the more iconic looks. But to me, what always resonated at the time and to this day, some of some of the the looks, especially sort of the the evening wear, um, doesn't it doesn't have the longevity for me. But um, looks like when she went into the landmines, um, she's wearing cocky pants, a crisp white shirt. She's got a visor. Um, there's something so um, so of that moment about that, and yet it's. It's instantly I iconic to me, those shots, yeah. Well, and speaking of things being instantly iconic, um, Boyana, you've had the pleasure of your beautiful coats being worn on members of the royal household. So can you share with us what, what happened the first, the first time? Tell us, tell us your story. Uh, yeah, so 2016 in September, and then just to kind of give you, uh, I guess everybody read what happened in the news, but just so you guys know where I was at at that time, I just came out of the hospital with my newborn baby four oh days gosh. before that. <laughs> so I was struggling and figuring out how to do the whole mom thing with the second kid. And, uh, you know, to my surprise, um, in September of 2016, um, through Twitter, where somebody tagged Centler, I found out that Kate Middleton was wearing uh, not only a Centler coat, but she was wearing uh, the Centler uh, wrap coat with the signature ribbed sleeves, which is really like what Centler stands for, and, and uh, it's the brand's trademark. And that was when she and William were visiting Canada on one of their first official trips together, was it not? Yes, it was during the royal tour, um, and this was in Yukon. And did you have an inkling of any kind that it was happening? Like, tell us about what happened before your Twitter feed blew up? Uh, so on our website and through Centler.com, we ship worldwide. And uh, a few weeks before that, we received um, an email, uh, do you ship to the UK? Uh, so my team and I were just you know, doing our regular work and answering a customer's question. Yes, we ship to the UK. Is there anything we can help you with? you know, not knowing um, who was on the other side. Just hey, business what? as usual. <laughs> what, what, what did the email address look like? <laughs> uh, you know, like we get so many emails a day. So, I mean, it was just like, oh, okay. Like, you you know, do we ship to the UK? Like, yes, we do. <laughs> just regular Never doing, doing business as you. usual. Um, <laughs> monarchy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I guess um, through the continuous conversations, um, I had an idea that it might be going, you know, to a certain address in, um, in London, UK, um, but, you know, nothing was said. 
about exactly like who it was for or what it was for. A um, postmark and <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as a designer, obviously I knew that the Royal Tour was coming up um, in Canada. So I was trying to put two and two together and, like you said, crossing my fingers and only hoping that what I thought would be, you know, what would happen. Um, but really it wasn't until the day of um, that I saw on Twitter um, that Kate Middleton was in one of the pieces for my collection. And who did you call first? Like, what was it like? Did you just yell and scream in your pajamas? And so I was at home, like, holding my, my newborn baby. And I mean, the first thing I did was I called my office and I said, hey, guys, like, did you find out what happened? How do we handle this? Um, because the demand was instant. Um, you know, everybody talks about the Kate Middleton effect. And it's true. I experienced it firsthand. And, um, you know, it's definitely an instant effect. Um, from the second that I saw that Twitter feed, um, you know, it was uh, I immediate awareness and immediate demand. Uh, the coat was sold out right away that she was wearing, and it was on back order four times after that. Um, and, you know, this happened in September, so, like, we put it on back order until December and then until February, March, and then April. Um, and then, you know, we started seeing interest because we had, it was so nice that she decided to wear one of my signature pieces because we had it in other colors. Um, and then we saw the demand for all the other colors. Um, and, you know, it was, and it wasn't just in Canada, it was all over the world. Like it was in the States and the UK, um, you know, literally in every country that I could name, like Dubai, Qatar. Asia, like all over Asia, um, all over Europe, like it was, it was incredible. And like, you can't hope for that. Like, did you, were you just walking on cloud nine for like, still? You know what, I was, but like the business, the business hat of me is always like, yeah. this is so great that it happened, but like, what do we do now? So, you know, I mean, I've had a lot of like career highlights and the one thing that my team knows about me is like, I always think forward. Um, so it was, you know, it was so great. Like the celebration was like five seconds. Oh my God, this is amazing. <gasps> okay. So it's how do we, how do we handle this, you know, and just really organizing and figuring out and, you know, like little things like, cause you know, you hear like when the Kate Middleton effect happens, website crash crashes and, you know, just little details and like making sure we have enough phone lines to handle the demand and, you know, making sure that all the media requests are getting handled, um, that customers' questions are getting answered. So, you know, it was a lot of, um, a lot to, to handle, um, but, you know, I, I have such a great team and, and um, you know, we handled it really well. Well, and it's not just the Kate effect that you're having a wonderful moment with, like there's now the Megan effect. So happy Christmas. Tell us about <laughs> Christmas 2017. Um, it was a very Merry Christmas. I can <laughs> definitely tell you that. Um, and it was actually ironic because I, um, I, as anyone that knows anything about me, I work a lot and I'm a workaholic. Um, so I decided to treat myself and end my year on a family vacation. And I decided to travel on Christmas day. And I, t I told my team, we're gonna have the least busiest week at work and I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna try not to work and not look at my phone. Um, so to my surprise, um, you know, I was, my flight was that morning and I woke up at 6 a.m. and I, ironically, again, it was a Twitter feed that I saw um, a Twitter post on my phone of somebody tagging me um, of Meghan Markle in a centaur coat. 
Um, you know, and at the time, like deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was such an honor, and you know, I, I'm, Meghan Markle has been a fan of the brand for for many years now, and uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you had the chance and pleasure of meeting her, and like she was at the showroom, and she's so lovely, and um, you know, so it was it was so nice that now in the position that she's in, like she had access to wear anything that she wanted, and you know, I was so blessed and so honored and happy that she chose again to wear to wear Centler. Well, with her shooting suits for so many years here in Toronto, she was able to to get to know you and get to know a whole lot of other Canadian brands. So it was it was wonderful for her to continue that relationship. Like I don't know if many people knew that how long she was here for. Yeah, it was so nice and you know, I I think can, uh, like our our fashion industry is so lucky to have her because even though she's in London, UK now, she's still supporting Canadian. And as we've all seen, um, you know, like her engagement um, outfit was Canadian. I mean, this was a Canadian outfit. Like many of her outfits after that were Canadian. So, um, you know, I think... Was she shopping in her closet or, <laughs> or was this requested? This no, request? she was shopping in her closet. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. And which was so incredible. Um, you know, she actually owns this coat in, other, in another color. Um, but you know, and is this the same coat that Sophie Trudeau wore? Uh, yes, this is, is the is, coat right? that Sophie yeah. Trudeau wore when she was meeting Queen Elizabeth in London, UK. So it did have a symbolic um, kind of connection, which I thought was very nice. Um, you know, and it was just, I think it was the perfect choice. It's like camel is such a classic color, and this is such a classic um, coat. But you know, that is a little bit chic and, uh, you know, like fashionable um, and, you know, it resonates to so many women around the world. Well, and you, you're no stranger to having, you know, very high profile women wear your, wear your beautiful coats. I mean, Sophie Trudeau being, being one for sure. And I know Gigi Hadid has just come out in one. Is there something that's particularly inspiring about the Royals being a fan of your, of your designs? I think, you know, to answer that question, it's the royals are timeless. And, uh, you know, my brand and how I've been building Centler for nine years now is, um, you know, very classic and, and timeless looks. Um, so even though the styles are chic and elevated and they're as current as they are, um, like if you look at the collections that I've done throughout the years, like the one thing they have in common is like they're timeless. Like when it comes to the fabrics and the cuts, um, they're very elegant and elevated, and it, I think they resonate with the fashion choices of the royals, because if you look, you know, going back to Princess Diana and Kate Middleton and then now Meghan Markle, their fashion choices are always classic, um, you know, timeless, and even if it's like that jacket that we were discussing, you know, it's not maybe classic, but it is classic, like it's a sportier look, but, you know, it's just, it has its meaning in now in 2018 <laughs> just as much as it did then. Um, so, you know, I think it, it's, it's the perfect, it's the perfect uh, marriage, you know, and it's, it's um, Centler stands for what the Royals stand for. Hey, can I just add of also course. just, just in response to the difference between Royals and sort of broader celebrities wearing it, I think it can send different signals uh, to the, fashionista or to the consumer as well because especially we live in an in era now where everybody is so um, savvy about how the business of fashion works how the business of red carpet works um, that when you see photos of celebrities wearing clothes you know there's always 
often a question maybe at the back of one's mind, you know, is this a transactional thing? You know, are they, are, are, is, there, is there some broader relationship to why they're wearing what, you know, where and when? Um, and royals traditionally have been above that. In fact, you know, especially if they're doing state duties, you know, it's absolutely verboten, verboten absolutely. To, to have any sort of, uh, anything like, be transactional like that. So I think it, it does exist in its own sphere, for sure. Yeah. And we obviously have a royal wedding on the horizon with Meghan and Harry getting married this coming May. Shanann, no, like, how, if you're gonna look into your crystal ball, what do you think that wedding is going to, like how are we gonna consume that wedding? What, what do you think is going to sort of like move the needle a little bit in terms of the royals and fashion and how we, how we look at things and how they are seen with this wedding coming up? What's gonna be different, do you think? Um, I think generally it's probably going to have the scope and kind of the enthusiasm that um, greeted the William and, and Kate wedding, which uh, by all accounts, uh, was a larger wedding and a larger venue, et cetera. Um, this sort of adds the kind of uh, potpourri of celebrity to it. Um, and as we've seen how um, Harry and Meghan have been covered, particularly by the uh, American tabloids, it, it is all going through the shredder of celebrity. Um, so, I mean, you know, everything that would be sort of unusual for a royal bride is embodied in the person of Meghan in that she yeah. is... It's the fantasy, right? Like, she's hello. She's a celebrity. She's older. She's uh, a former actress. She's American, which was the yeah. whole part of the whole thing with Wallace Simpson. I mean, that's actually a big deal. It's not talked about as much. Yeah, and um, she's divorced, and, like and, Wallace Simpson. Yeah, and, and she's divorced. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's also interesting because, you know, you can go back and look at photos of Meghan. She's standing in front of logo walls and what, you know, could be uh, seen as a transactional thing. You know, she's in gift, gift, gift suites at various award shows and stuff. So um, she's very wise to all of that kind of stuff. And, um, it, you know, it sort of adds another sort of, you know, layer to, to all of it. <laughs> well, I'll be watching in May. Uh, thank you so much, Boyana and Shanann, for the conversation. This has been just wonderful. Uh, Boyana, if people want to follow along and see when and who Settler will be on next, what's the best social for people to follow you at? We're on all social platforms, but I would say Instagram is our main one. And we're heading to London. I don't know if you guys know that, but we're heading to London, yeah, uh, for London during Fashion, Fashion Week. Week. Yes, so follow along. That's smart. And Shanann, where can people keep tabs on you if they're interested in following oh, on, your story on, along? Uh, mainly Twitter and Instagram, uh, Shanann Gobani. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys so much thank for being you. here. Thank you. A big thank you to CAFA, our producing partner with this podcast. And you can find out more about the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards at CAFA Awards. That's C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S. And a special thanks to Toronto Fashion Week for having us here at Yorkville Village. You can follow me at This Is Donna B. You can, you can follow so many people. You can follow Fashion Talks at Fashion Talks Podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback. And until next time, this is Donna Bishop, and this is Fashion Talks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.